Jesus, the Son of God, God in flesh, comes in. God offers his Son, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus comes in, he lives a perfect life with imperfect people. He shares the message of repentance and salvation. He loves even those who hate him. And uh, he is crucified on the cross. Not because he has done anything wrong, but because they don't agree with him. He dies on the cross. He shed his blood. Remember, Hebrews 9.22 tells us, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Jesus offers himself on the cross as the only sacrifice that is fit not to cover sins, but to wash away sins. Adam and Eve were looking forward to Jesus Christ. Moses was looking forward to Jesus Christ. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and everyone that believed in the Lord in the Old Testament were looking forward to the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ. So Jesus comes in, he's crucified, he dies that day. And he is buried in a borrowed tomb. On the third day, which is Sunday morning, this is where John chapter 20 is. And if you turn to, with me to John chapter 20, early in the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So this early morning, actually the Gospels, if you read all of them, you will realize that they were four women. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Christ, Joanne, and Salome. Salome. There were about four women this morning. This Sunday morning, they are going to the tomb with, the, with, with spices, with the aim of anointing the body of Jesus so that they can delay its decay. As they approach the tomb, they expect to see a motionless body lying there. But they are shocked when they see that the stone that covered the tomb had been moved. And you read on the other Gospels, they saw angels sitting on that stone. And then these women, because of the shock and the confusion, they decide to go to the disciples. And Mary... We are told in verse 2, Mary Magdalene came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, referring to John, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, 
and we don't know where they have put him. This tells you that they were not expecting the resurrection to happen, even though Jesus had told them they have taken the Lord from the tomb. This reminds me of a, a funny story that I heard about two naughty boys. These two naughty boys were a problem in, the, in their neighborhood. So one day the mother decided to take them to the priest. The mother was a Catholic. So he took them to the priest so that the priest could speak with them and help them. And so the priest, first he called the oldest. And he wanted to explain to the oldest something about Jesus. And so he sat with him and he asked him, where is Jesus? And this boy looked at the priest. And the priest asked him again, where is Jesus? And this boy could not take it anymore, so he ran out. The priest remained there shocked. And when he ran out, his brother asked him, what's the problem? Why are you running? And he said, we are in trouble. Well, like, what have we done this time? And the brother said, Jesus is missing. <laughs> and they, they think we have taken him. This is what is happening to these women. They think Jesus is missing. Now, the good news about resurrection is that Jesus is not missing. He is alive. If he is missing, he is missing from the dead. He is found among the living. That is why if you are a believer this morning, he lives in you. The life that you have is his life. As a believer, when you claim to have eternal life, that life is Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. So he might be missing, but he is missing among the dead. He is present and alive in those who believe in him. So when Mary Magdalene passed this message to the disciples, Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter. Peter is not a good runner and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen, linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went, went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. 
the cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. So it's as if Jesus moved, leaving the cloth just the way they were wrapped on his body and his head right there. This is what the disciples see. Verse 8, finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. And listen to this. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. They didn't understand the implications of the resurrection. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. This Jesus who was crucified and buried on the on the buried in a in a borrowed tomb. This Jesus who paid the ultimate sacrifice for our sins is changing the story. The story that was ruined by the enemy. The story that took away all the hope and peace and joy that God's people needed to have is being changed by Jesus. You read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, and we are told here, God made him who had no sin to be seen for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It is only in Christ that we can have our sins forgiven. Now, I know that in New England, people believe that they are good. Right? How many times you are asked, how are you? And your response is, I'm good. You read Romans chapter 3, verse 10, and the Bible says, there is no one who is good. Not even one. Not even someone from England. Your story and mine, if you believe in Jesus, was ruined until Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. You should realize that when Jesus died on the cross, there were two thieves. Those two thieves could not pay for their own sins. There is no other death. There is no other sacrifice that is enough to pay for our sins except the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. There is no other blood that washes away our sin except the blood of Jesus Christ. That is why sometimes we sing, what can wash my sins away? And the response is, Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. 
nothing. There is nothing else. One thing with sin is that it is deeper than the skin. And we cannot whitewash it. It doesn't matter how clean you are physically. If Jesus has not yet cleansed you, you are dirty spiritually. You are not only dirty, but you are dead. Because it's only Jesus that brings life. And so today, as we look into this, we are reminded of the bad story, a story that has no hope, a story that brings fear and death, a story that makes us want to hide. But again, we are also reminded of a good story. A story that provides a way for us. A story that gives us hope. A story that changes the trajectory of life. So Mary Magdalene must have returned to the tomb. She is confused as the disciples. You know, when the disciples saw Jesus dying on the cross, they thought it was over. They were helpless and hopeless. And Mary here thinking that the body of Jesus has been stolen, she thinks this is over. She is hopeless and helpless. She sits there in that garden where the tomb was, crying, weeping. Look at verse 11. She did not sit, she stood, sorry. Mary stood outside the tomb crying. It's a sign of grief. This Mary, if you don't know, is a woman who lived a sinful lifestyle. She was demon-possessed. Jesus delivered her. Jesus forgave her. Jesus accepted her. And now that Jesus died, but his body is also missing. So Mary is grieving here. And then, as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? And that's a very good question, not only to women, but to all of us. Because there are things that you face in this world that bring tears to your eyes. There are a lot of discouragements in this world that bring tears to our eyes. 
even Christians shed tears. Sometimes we are afraid of the future. We are afraid for our children. We fear for our children. Look at your marriage and it's not what it should be. And you feel helpless and hopeless. And some of us have cried until there are no more tears to cry. Some of us, if, if, if we could open our hearts, we would realize the pain, the wounds that are there because of the experiences that we have had. And as a believer, this is a good question for you. And some of us are going through physical challenges. There is pain everywhere. Some of us are going through emotional pain. Experiences that bring tears to our eyes. Some of us are looking back into our lives and we we see missed opportunities and the bad decisions that we've made, the choices that we regret. And you look back and all these bring tears to our eyes. So this is a good question for all of us. Why are you crying? Because while it's okay to cry, Sometimes we cry over an old story. And Mary responds here. She says, they have taken my Lord away. That's why I'm crying. And sometimes it feels that way too. It feels like the Lord is away. It feels like he's very far from us. I have had experiences where I prayed and it didn't feel like God was listening. Felt empty. Felt like he had left me. And sometimes we go through that as well. So Mary feels here hopeless. And I don't know where they have put him. And at this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. You know, when we allow, when we focus on the problems that we face, those problems begin to control us. And when they do, they blur the image of the Lord that we need to see. They stop us from seeing the Lord and what the Lord wants us to see. It happens even in conflicts. 
where you have a conflict with someone and it changes how you see them. The same person that you have loved all your life, something happens and if you allow it to control you, it changes how you see that person. The same person that you've been telling, I love you every day, becomes a person that you hate to see. Because every time we allow a problem to control us, it distorts the view that the Lord wants us to have. Mary sees Jesus here. She's looking for Jesus. She turns around, she sees him, but she doesn't recognize him. Because her eyes are blinded by the grief, the hopelessness, the despair. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? And Mary still doesn't know who this is, thinking he was the gardener. She said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And this is my favorite part in verse 16. Jesus says to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni! which means teacher. When Jesus called her by her name, something changed. There was a connection there. Mary realized that this one who knows me must be the Lord who saved me. I love it when I see Jesus calling people by their names. Because I know that some of our experiences have given us names. Some of our experiences have given us names that we don't want to hear. The enemy does not call us by our names. Because the enemy looks at you and he focuses on your weaknesses. He looks at you and he sees a liar. And that's what he calls you by. He looks at you and he sees a very inconsistent Christian. 
And that's what he calls you. He looks at you and he can see the sin that you committed this week. And that's what he calls you. He looks at you and he sees a husband who is not there for his family or his wife. And that's what he calls you. He wants you to keep remembering who you are so that he can keep you where he wants you to be. He doesn't call us by our, by our names. He calls us by our weaknesses. But Jesus looks at us and he knows everything about us. He knows how weak, how inconsistent we are. And he looks at each one of us who has believed in him and he doesn't focus on that weakness, he calls you by his name. He wants us to know that he knows us, but he still accepts us because he has forgiven us. Mary hears her name and she stops crying. She hears her name and her attitude changes. It's like when your child is walking in the dark afraid. And then she sees someone walking in the dark and she becomes even more afraid. And then you call her name. And she, mom, she doesn't have to see you. She just have to hear the voice because she's heard that voice before she knows it. And that, my friend, is the joy of the resurrection. That is the great reversal of our story. The story that was ruined has been rewritten. Jesus rewrites our story. He rewrites our story. Your story may be one that you don't even want to read because you and I are not good writers at all. We tried and failed. Our story is one of hopelessness. It's a story that leads to hell. But Jesus comes in. He dies for our sins to give us forgiveness and salvation. And then he comes out from the tomb, defeating the last enemy, death. And that story is rewritten by Christ. John saw and believed. Mary saw and confessed. If you read with me, In verse 17, 
Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Now listen to Mary. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. You know, at first, she came with sad news. They have taken him away. And now, she is joyous. I have seen the Lord. Her story has changed. Jesus rewrites our story. And this tells us that death and suffering will not have the last word. Death and suffering is only temporary. It is the story that Jesus writes that is permanent. And this is very important for you if Jesus is not yet your savior. Because if Jesus is not yet your savior, unfortunately, you are living the old story. Jesus wants to rewrite your story. If you turn to him this morning, if you repent, if you call on him from your heart, and ask him to forgive you and save you. He is willing to do that. He will give you a new chapter. And he will start to rewrite the story of your life. But we also have Christians. We also have Christians who are, even though Christ has rewritten their story, they are still reliving the old story. Memories of your past life are still tormenting you today. Memories of the bad decisions that you made are still tormenting you today. And because you are reliving that story, you are failing to enjoy the new story. You are allowing your past to be a continuation of your future. We have Christians, even though Christ has forgiven them, they are still being tormented by guilt. They are still being tormented by their past experiences. You have asked God to forgive you, but you still feel guilty. And you go to a, to a psychologist, and the psychologist will tell you, you need to forgive yourself. Here is the bad news. 
you have no power to forgive yourself. Here is the good news. Jesus has forgiven you. And when you are struggling, when you are still struggling with guilt, it's not because you've not forgiven yourself. It's because you have not accepted that you have been forgiven. And so all you need to do is to accept God's forgiveness. And if you're, if you're still struggling with that, make it a prayer request. Ask the Lord to help you accept his forgiveness. Because God is rewriting your story. You are not supposed to still live that old story. Jesus is alive. You are supposed to be rejoicing in him, not grieving in him. You're supposed to be enjoying this fellowship with Christ. But that will not happen if you keep on reliving the past. So if you are here and there is guilt that has been tormenting you and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, please, please. Use this moment to ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to help you accept that he has forgiven you. Because he has. If you're not a believer, the Lord is willing to forgive you this morning. You can ask him today to forgive you. Turn to him sorrowfully and ask him to forgive you and he will be willing to forgive you and receive you the way you are and then you and the Lord will begin a new story and this time he will be writing it for you if you don't believe me if you have any doubt look at the empty tomb Look at the empty cross. 